Welcome to a very special episode of Arcade Cuties. Uh, this is part of the Ghouls for Charity event, so we've been raising money all through the month of October uh, for Trans Lifeline and been absolutely crushing it as a collective. Uh, we were going to do this episode a couple weeks ago, but we've all had some like scheduling stuff, so we're going to do it now, and it's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I'm Faye. Uh, do, do our friends want to introduce themselves? Um, I'm Zenny. Uh, am I a variety streamer? Is that, would that be fair to say? The madness of my stream? Uh, I make things. I play stuff. Uh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Majorly um, focused on like the kind of appraisal and like archival of endangered media, obscure media. Yeah. Uh, horror actually ties into that quite a bit. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, hi, it's my, it's me. Is it me? Yeah, it's me. It you. Hi, it's me. I'm Lerica. Um, my pronouns are they, she, and I am also a variety streamer. Um, I stream. Yeah, a lot of a lot of DVD, a lot of other horror, a lot of like indie horror games, um, and and build Legos and scream and do things like that. So it's it's a great time. <laughs> You've been the, ah! the best huntress streamer of all time. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't give me a complex before one, one <laughs> at least one p.m. Okay. No. I think I think variety streamer works best. I mean, I pretty much only uh, play Resident Evil Four, uh, but I still call I myself a variety streamer, so it's okay. It changes occasionally. There's your variety. Oh, um, exactly. <laughs> what what's yeah. the rule in cussing? Oh, fucking go for it. Okay, it's all good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you fucking killed me. I watching you play RE4 with those crowd controls. Um, oh my gosh! There's a moment where a like make Leon small or whatever like pop <laughs> right when you cracked off a shotgun. So it looked like you shot yourself small, and I was like on the floor. That was so much fun. I need to go back and, and finish that playthrough honestly, because like it was so chaotic. That was my first time using crowd control, and oh, I love I, that. I immediately like I fell in love with it. Oh yeah, it, it took a game that like I know front to back and have gone through like dozens of times and completely changed it and like actually made it scary uh, yeah. parts, which is usually not a thing for me. Like my my sense of of danger is is broken when it comes to media. Like I just don't get scared usually, but this was a Same. good way to like shake it up for sure. Yeah. I think the thing is it has to be unexpected. You have to not know what's coming and that <laughs> that can break through even weirdos like us who um, uh, my partner can attest to this. I just, when you're supposed to jump, I don't and I often am left feeling like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not proud of it. It's like, I, what if I'm really in danger, what, I'm, what am I going to do if like some neurological response isn't kicking in? Like, <laughs> I, I, ho I ho hopefully that just means I'm gonna be stone cold and just like history of violence that shit. But <laughs> like I, I'm worried I might just be like that dog that's too friendly. Like, <laughs> oh, oh hey, no. what's up? <laughs> that was. Can I tell you that was honestly me the first time I went to a haunted house. Uh, my friend <laughs> brought me, 
and love you know, your makeup. You're supposed the, to yell. <laughs> no joke. Like that was it. Like every time someone would pop up, be like, "Oh, hi!" Like, "Oh my gosh, your your makeup is so cool right now." Are you kidding me? And then, like everybody like behind me is just like, "Can you?" Can you not like? Can you scream or something? We're trying like, to shit ourselves. You're kind of <laughs> give us some kind of heads up. It's like no, I'm just, I'm here for the theater of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the thing. Art There's of it so all. Much. Yeah, and like that's kind of the thing that keeps me so enamored with the genre is is not like that. It's like a white knuckle experience for me. I just love the theming and the visual language of horror. And I think mm. it's just so rife with like ontological potential, just like uh, the potential to express meaning through um, I'm not just shock and disgust, um, which I think is like the upper layer of horror, but like atmosphere, tension, uh, trauma, uh, like all sorts of things you can just express. And, and it, yeah, anyways, we got a whole podcast mm. to talk about that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, no, I think. I usually come at it from like a film perspective because like that's my background, right? And uh, I think in general, horror and sci-fi have like the potential to be groundbreaking more than any other genre because like when you're talking on an executive level, like usually there's not as much as much risk because like you know higher ups are like oh they're not going to make a ton of money from this product anyway so like yeah. who cares if they experiment with it and get weird and like oh, yeah. by opening the door that way they like lay the groundwork for representation and also just like new ways of storing uh, of telling stories and like it's it's incredible it is my favorite like honestly that is why Absolutely. i am so fixated on horror all the time where it took the words right out of my mouth. Like those were literally talking points that I had come prepared to like um, issue where they were someone else not to do it. And uh, I'm in good company because uh, that's exactly how I feel. Um, I think it's something that draws me to a lot of the art that I that I that I stick with. It is the idea of like it not being marred or in, you know, too closely Corporate oversight, like not being as much of a factor is a major uh, drawing, th uh, the thing that draws me to things like uh, horror, as, as you'd said, is, is something that the people who let movies happen already don't have a lot of stake in. It's like, we're not going to be like, it's not going to be getting any awards. Y'all can kind of do whatever you want in your weird little corner, which <laughs> creates so much space for uh, expression. It's such an unusually free realm of expression in the world of movies and media. So I, I want to know, like, one, what got y'all into uh, horror, either in video games or just, like, you know, in, in general? And, like, were you always a, a person who played scary games or did you have to, like, warm yourself up to it? Um... No, I, I was very much uh, like an under 10 year old who fixated on The Shining, uh, for instance. <laughs> I was I was that kid. Mm. Um, Evil Dead was, mm. I think, what really solidified it for me. Um, Such a funny movie. Evil Dead. Like, I love the mixture of like comedy and like no this isn't funny. This is this is bad. This is really bad. But then like also 
hey, okay, second, like, for instance, second movie in, um, I guess, spoiler <laughs> for anybody that hasn't seen, but, like, second movie in when you're like, okay, I've literally gone through a whole movie of dealing with, like, the most horrific thing that could ever happen to me in my whole life, and it's still happening. Well, fuck it. Like... <laughs> Um, I just feel like it mixes them so, so well together. And like Army of Darkness, it could talk about for, okay. The jokerfication of Ash Crimson. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, And I, yeah, it's, it's being able to freely tell that story. And like, especially with that series, it was never, they were never setting out to make that movie and have it be this box office hit. They were never setting out to make out this movie to be, um, you know, something that was going to bring in a ton of money and it's like one of the most beloved horror series out there um Mm. to where it had like a phenomenal mini series come back um and so that's what i loved about it they didn't give a shit they really didn't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) they just made what they wanted to make yes Um, yes his work on that film, and I think about like like Peter Jackson's work on on similarly um, just genre tastic movies like Dead Alive or like um, I don't know who made this movie, but if if y'all haven't heard of Tammy and the T Rex, I mean, oh my god, <laughs> I, do you research before waiting in because that movie is kind of nuts? But uh, yo, yeah, uh, talking about just like taking risks and not giving a fuck. Tammy and the T Rex is wild in that regard. Um, That's so funny my entree into horror what hooked me i also was um i grew up in a household where i there were there were very little boundaries in terms of what i was allowed to have in front of me uh like media wise uh and i do feel that i benefited from that um i turned out like okay um, <laughs> but like i i one of my favorite movies um from a fairly early age, uh, as soon as I was able to like catch it, um, was like The Exorcist. There remains mm. one of my favorite movies. The Shining is also another one of my favorite movies. Um, like these were early experiences with horror um, that also kind of set a tone. Another one of my favorite horror movies um, is a movie called Jacob's Ladder, um, and I think that is kind of a good. There's a cross section there because Jacob's Ladder is one of the movies that influenced Silent Hill, which would be my major entree into the realm of horror. And an example, uh, an exemplar, really, of like the things about horror that I love the most, um, atmosphere and uh, exploring interiority, like exploring the motivations of a character in a way that other genres often restrict, um, the ways that a person's traumas, regrets, uh, like whatever they've buried, resurfacing as, as like made manifest as like you know, like real, real physical threats is something that like is a major part of Silent Hill. Um, I found that just the atmosphere and the music just um, so compelling. Uh, Akira Yamaoka, who's the um, composer of Silent Hill's OSTs, the good ones at least, um, like is a major influence on me as a musician. The visual language of Silent Hill, it's the understated nature of it. I I love over-the-top campy horror for... Mm. It, it's 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 the camp that I like about that kind of horror because I find camp to be uh, far and away like uh, far more honest in art form than like the classiest Oscar bait. I, I feel like it's just far more honest and human and often more queer. Um, low art forever is all I have to say uh, in that <laughs> regard. Silent Hill is is 
just so brimming with atmosphere and it's so understated. Um, the bombast of Resident Evil is largely absent in Silent Hill. And as a lover of both series, I think it says a lot about what I look for in horror that I wound up playing pretty much every Silent Hill game and um, have had rather minimal experience with Resident Evil, which I'm fixing now. Like I think <laughs> when I was younger uh, and just kind of a teenage snob, I, mm-hmm. I was like, I, a Silent Hill is the thinking man's Resident Evil. <laughs> uh, and which is wrong because they have different aspirations. Silent Hill wants to tell a story about like it's just a different. It has different aspirations, different goals. Like Re Re like wears its B movie um, influences on its sleeve in a way that I find really endearing. And Silent Hill, it it has more art house aspirations. Uh, like I, I really think that like uh, movies like Pulse, uh, a Japanese horror film that really embodies. And maybe we can, maybe this can kind of segue into how, how horror represents larger uh, societal anxieties. Um, but Pulse is a movie that came out in the late '90s in Japan, and really, to me, uh, is kind of a perfect encapsulation of that country's anxieties at the time. They were dealing with a pretty brutal recession after the '80s uh, economic bubble uh, mm-hmm. bursting sometime in the early '90s. Um, the 90s for Japan is what they call their lost decade. And there was a lot of economic strife um, and a lot of just existential uh, anguish. Uh, like people were carrying around like, what was that book that like Nostradamus wrote? Like, they, like people in Japan were like literally walking around with copies of that book in their pocket. And um, I think a lot of people were ruminating on the end times uh, come Y2K because right, right. I don't know how computers work. <laughs> but for Japan, it was kind of unique and it inspired a lot of art that was very existential, um, very philosophically wrought and uh, full of ruminations on the end times. You know, Genesis Evangelion comes to mind. Pulse, similarly, goes in that direction by the end of the movie. But up until that point, it is just pure gloom. Like the movie just has such it is a horror film without any violent murder. There is some violence depicted on screen, but the horror is largely emotional and social the idea of being isolated and like drawing inward as uh despair consumes you is mm. really the specter of that movie isolation social isolation um and like anxieties about technology these are all things that uh i'm rambling i don't want to t- take up too much no, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting to do this i'm i'm just so excited i'm gonna shut up Can- can I tell you that, that I'm glad you touched on the campiness of Resident Evil because yeah. that is uh, by and large like my lar- my my biggest complaint against like the Resident Evil fandom when it comes mm. to all of these adaptations whether it be like the movies or the uh, you know Netflix TV series is they're right. just like it's not serious enough it's not sticking to the lore like it's too silly like there's a fucking sewer gator in Resident Evil 2 like come on we're not being that serious like it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I, I, I played him yet, and I know that. <laughs> and like, I adore, I adore like action movies where I don't have to think. Um, sure. And Resident Evil, in, in particular, um, <laughs> Resident Evil is such a, a when it, when you're talking about the the original movies, is such like a dad series. Um, like my my dad was obsessed with them, and so like you know we made a yeah, tradition of, of, uh. 
the the movies like the oh, Mila Jovovich like sure sure yes yeah. he he was he was obsessed with those and so we made a tradition of like every time one would come out we would watch it in theaters and like are those movies great no but like at the same time <laughs> Paul Paul W S Anderson <laughs> he his his biggest uh, takeaway with those movies is that my wife is really hot and she does really cool stunts. And so I'm going to show off both of those in as many ways as I can. Oh, yeah. Especially if I can use 3D technology like and that's all those movies are and they're fine because of it. Oh, yeah. I, so what's what's there to complain about if the movie's is like this movie's just hotties kind of being bozos. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Like what more could you ask for? <laughs> so so lyrica you mentioned uh evil dead have you played the the new game or any of the like oh, yes. older yeah what, what do you <laughs> oh, think yeah. about it um i like it i know a lot of people when they came out here were like or oh, is this gonna like replace dead by daylight for you um it's very different than dead by daylight the mechanics are are vastly different and there's an element of you fighting back that is that is very not different present. than yeah. than yeah definitely not present in dvd um so yeah i definitely enjoy it um and let the same people ask the same thing for the new ghostbusters game that just came out too and my answer is the same it's it's a very different dynamic of gameplay so uh yeah all three of those are definitely in rotation um i was just the happiest little lad when they <laughs> added the army of darkness <laughs> with, with your kind of like english schoolboy like dickensian like you had like uh like little shorts and like suspenders like please sam i have some more right where are you I'm going to school papa <laughs> you're doing the the berries and cream but it's army of darkness army of darkness <laughs> oh god <laughs> destruction hooray that's so good. There's supposed to be a new Evil Dead movie coming out this month. Hmm. They, the, the last I saw, they couldn't decide if they wanted to put it in theaters or make it streaming exclusive. I think it's an HBO Max thing. Um, yeah. But there's been like no promotion for that movie whatsoever. So like I'm a little nervous. Seems odd. I don't know Classic. why. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, the remake of it too, I would say even brought back the the feeling of the original like horror aspect of the first movie it was mm. it was not light and i mean come yeah. on okay it's it's not that evil dead is a light series i'm not it's but if you've seen the movies that come after the first one you know what i mean about oh, yeah. the right. difference in the tone right the tone and so like absolutely. that that it brought it back to that real like oh god mm-hmm. i think the stinginess kind of, of the obvious uh synthetic nature of the practical effects and just like frankly uh, to its benefit the quality of acting or at least yes. the uh, style of acting <laughs> right helps sort of um buoy what could otherwise be some kind of heavy content as sort of like oh we're okay this is all this is uh, we're in the fun zone like it's not mm-hmm. really yeah that, that serious but the new movie came out at a time when realism and grit and prestige television and um, TV only being about sad dads um, hurting people really bad. Uh, that, that was like the kind of the culture of the media at the time. So like that <laughs> and video kinda... games. <laughs> we had oh, a whole yeah. sad dad movement. Triple <laughs> A video games became almost exclusively like uh, prestige television simulators by that point. Um, just really uh, drab color palettes and angry bearded men just hurting people <laughs> real bad. 
I loved it. It was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Evil, the Evil Dead remake was a lot. Like I, I was at a comic. I, the way that I watched it was that I went to a comic book shop that happened to play it, and I looked oh, up at the TV. They were just playing it, huh? They were just, <laughs> just playing it, and there's some pretty like um, in extreme uh, gore in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember just looking up and seeing somebody uh, just getting absolutely uh, owned, but just demolished real bad, mm-hmm. um, like. I got to spend long enough that I don't remember exactly what implement was used, but I just remember thinking like, damn, I'm just, I'm just trying to buy some Spider-Man comics or something. I'm just, I'm just looking for some manga. Not, not looking to, to see anybody like punctuate them with, with a nail gun, like over and over right? again. Like, oh my like... God. <laughs> and I just like, like the tone of this is like, not that where did the camp go? And when you take right. out the camp, it does sort of give the movie a different tone, which like the fact that it leaned into it so hard made it feel deliberate enough that I felt like it was a kind of a purposeful creative deviation mm-hmm. from the source material, which I'm all for. Like I I'm not I'm not on that boomer shit where like like if if you're remaking it, don't you dare deviate from the source material. You have to follow it to a T. I what's the point at that point? Like just I in general would like to see less remakes, but if you're going to remake things do something novel with it. Make, give, give that remake a reason to exist by instead of just repeating what's already been done, have a conversation with what's been done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The way that like FF7R uh, did. Uh, kind of an accomplishment in that regard. It really isn't a, a Final Fantasy VII remake. It's almost an, an intentional misdirect that it's called that. Right. And, and it's like you touched on earlier, like... The, the products that we make are such a reflection of the time period that they come out of, like mm-hmm. from a cu- cultural level to, you know, daily living. Um, Especially with speculative fiction like sci-fi and uh, right. introspective fiction like horror. So you, you, mm-hmm. had, you had mentioned Silent Hill and sort of that, you know, psychological, uh, you know, very person-centric storytelling. Yeah. Uh, is that the type of horror that you gravitate towards? I would say so. Um, okay. I think like one one example of a of a piece of horror media that might not fit that description would be Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And movies like Dawn of the Dead and uh, other things are are more macro and focused on like societal ills more than interpersonal ills. Um, but yeah, I I'm really in I'm yeah I like I like dark fiction horror fiction whatever you want to call it that that kind of centers hones in on on um our innermost anxieties as people or or even just like the spirit of the times um Mm -hmm. my partner katie uh had a class in college uh or ta'd for a class in college or something called our monsters ourselves that delved into the subject of like how horror and how monsters represent the collective fears of of an era or uh or any given society, and that that's probably one of the most interesting aspects of any horror uh, involving monsters uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played? Um, oh God, what is that one? Is it Perfect Dark or no? What is? It? It's a GameCube. Oh my GameCube. gosh, what is it? What is it? Oh, I hope oh, look it up. The I think I know which one you're talking about. Is it the GameCube Eternal Darkness? Yes, that's the one. Have you ever played that one? I know about it. I know that it has 
it, it does some kind of meta textual fourth wall breaking by like making you think that you as the player might be losing your shit, um, <laughs> which I think is really cool. Uh, right. I feel like that would be right up your alley. I'm sure like I it's on my radar <laughs> for sure. Um, I oh, another piece of media or, or, or type of media that like has been a, a major source of like horror for me that I've gravitated towards is um, manga uh namely mm-hmm. the, i mean like like you guys might be familiar with the works of junji ito um he's a mangaka manga artist who um is probably the biggest name in horror manga and right rightfully so he, he's an amazing artist and his ideas like if you're just looking for truly creative horror ideas just like i didn't know i could be scared of that check out junji ito she has a story that is so good it's been like memed on so many times it's <laughs> called i'll type the name in chat uh it's called um the enigma of the amigara fault and it is a story about a fault like there being an earthquake and a fault line opening up in japan that reveals all of these uh strange holes in the cliffside oh, okay yes yes up. yes <laughs> this is my hole it was made for me yep Yep. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And it's fucked up. <laughs> and I think about it sometimes and it makes me feel bad, but it's easily <laughs> one of my favorite uh, comic strips, one of my favorite manga of like all time. It's mm-hmm. so good. And I think like at, no matter how conceptual or like, like left field uh, his premises get, the thing that the horror really comes from is the way that he paces his storytelling by making you the agent in like all right a a perfect example would be he will have the last panel be a person some horror slowly dawning on somebody you do not see the horror you see the reaction and the way that he illustrates those expressions is so gripping like the way that he draws a face that is just uh drawn with fear terror horror trauma whatever is so effective and then he's like, and you have to turn the page to see what they're seeing. <laughs> and the fact that he times it that way gives you this sort of agency and like, it's almost like playing a game. The way that playing a game makes you an active participant as opposed to the passive observer you are when you're watching a movie, um, which can elicit feelings of helplessness. The fact that you have to subject yourself to whatever lies on the next page is true genius to me. Right. And you're almost like at that point, like in that moment, leaving it up to the viewer's imagination, which is oftentimes like scarier than anything else that that that's that shit. Like yeah, right, right. The fear yeah. of the unknown. Um yeah. Lyrica, is there a type of horror that you were drawn to in in games? Um I definitely think that games that play more on like a, a psychological horror aspect tend to elicit more fear out of me than i mean like of course a jump scare right like that's gonna Mm -hmm. that's gonna get anybody because you're startled um but as far as like making me think about it beyond you know that two second jump scare or making me go oh that would be truly terrifying if that happened Mm -hmm. to me um Mm -hmm. it either has to come at me from like that psychological aspect or like paranormal in the sense of a ghost because this is a thing that i can't necessarily fight back with right. with my hands with you know like a monster yeah you're scary but i'm gonna fuck you up um yeah yeah <laughs> i'm a combo your ass catch these hands yeah right. exactly but you're telling me i made the monster up in my mind 
well, fuck. <laughs> when, when in Silent 2, when Laura's, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but like when Laura was just like, James asks this kid, like, aren't you scared? And she's just straight up like, why should I be? Which is like the first moment in the game that plants the seed that like maybe everything that you're experiencing, witnessing, um, mm -hmm. bearing witness to, is it happening or not? And the fact that you have to wrestle with that, like, as I was playing the game for the first time, I was wondering, like, okay, are there monsters there at all? Is it all in his head? Are they actually people? Am I fucking stoving people with a pipe? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? What it do, James? I, I think that is, like, a line in one of those games where, where they're like, oh, they look like monsters to you? They're yeah. Like, and you have to just kind of guess what they look like to the NPCs. Yeah. Like, that's, that's very fascinating to me. Um, I think the game that, like, tickles my brain the most when you're talking about existential dread is uh soma um i need to I play know. that it's so good um essentially you are a person whose memories and subconscious were uploaded to the cloud and then that subconscious was placed into a robot like centuries into the future and so you have to like come to grips with whether or not you are your own existence or you're just like a carbon copy of it like it's very neat um and then the questions that. the questions that pop up towards the end i won't spoil it because i think like it's it's short enough that i would recommend anybody play it um identity yeah. so i would say that that's another thing that really draws me to a horror thing is if it focuses on the idea of selfness selfhood the identity the body um like movies like moon um and uh, movies like ghost in the shell the original uh these these are not horror films but they do tap into a pretty a fairly universal horror of of being the highly cognitive animals that we are um and all of the room for <laughs> all of the room for like anguish that our high cognition brings us in terms of like ruminating on our existence being able to actually project out out into the future and like know knowing that we die and uh Pondering over the idea of like what a self even is, I I love horror that centers around those things. Um, yeah. So we we just had Kate post in the chat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a quote. It says, "I'm sure the only me is me. Are you sure the only you is you?" That is from it's PT. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. gotta stream that soon. <laughs> I happen to have one of the PS4s that has it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that. <gasps> oh PT my god. <laughs> If Steve knows that, oh my god! Do, uh, do y'all not have a PS4 with with PT on it? No, not anymore. No. No. Those things are worth a pretty penny nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I, I will be the PT benefactor. I am happy oh to take on that role. <laughs> there were a couple of folks who had attempted to like remake it from the ground up. Like that's on the only thing we've been able and, to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really cool that people do that, and it's really fucked up that Konami. Um, did what they did. Uh, I yeah, really would have we liked to see that. We were literally <laughs> discussing that before uh, everybody came together in the chat. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for this horror game that I know he Dale's working on because he said he was working on it. Um, and uh, th the amount of shitting on that's about to happen because y'all just said, you know what? We don't need you. It's fine. And he said, <laughs> bet. And picked, picked himself up picked up his whole crew and and not only developed 
a massive game, but also an entire studio at the same time. And then two years later, it was like, hey, we're moving to a bigger studio. Y'all should be <laughs> scared. You should yeah. be concerned. They, uh, Kojima and the head of Konami had had bad blood for a long time. And it's evident in the way that a lot of Hideo's last pieces of work panned out. <clears throat> They're all incomplete games because funding would be cut the deadline would be like they would hold them to a they would just like put a hard deadline on things and hold them to it and mm -hmm. it's a shame yeah i i didn't think that this statement would be made in the in this episode in particular but uh fuck turning your ips into gambling and pachinko machines oh my like, god oh it's so disappointing uh you were talking yeah. you mentioned evangelion earlier and uh there was this super cool trailer that dropped for Eva and Shin Godzilla crossover and people have been waiting for it forever. And so the cinematic trailer dropped and it's like, Oh, are we getting a movie? Are we getting a game? But no, it's just a fucking pachinko machine. And like the collective <laughs> sigh of disappointment from everybody is just, Oh, it's the worst. I didn't know about that, but man, I'm, I'm not surprised. But uh, I will like, as as like as as a salty leftist uh just like consummate hater of of like big business capitalism in general uh the whole pachinko thing the kind of phenomenon mm -hmm. of like microtransactions evolving the way that it had over the past 15 15 years whenever it was that bethesda was like we can sell a useless piece of cosmetics to people for like two bucks became like the entirety of like video game, uh, video game structure. Mm. It, it's been painful to watch that, uh, transformation. Um, which is also why I largely don't feature AAA games on my stream. They make me sad and they make me like video <laughs> games less because of those elements. They are exploitative. They rely on people's, FOMO, they rely on people's mm -hmm. addictive tendencies and they exploit them. Um, and they make games worse because you have things like freemium where the promise is that you never have to spend a single cent, but they're going to make it such a cynical grind fest that in order to actually unlock all the content for your character, you might have to play for years. So eventually mm -hmm. you're going to buckle and they're banking on that and they're making the game worse to push you into making that transaction. And it's, it, it's, it's, so the, it's the it's the irony of Amazon producing a Fallout series <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for, for a game yeah. series that focuses on like capitalism leading to global destruction. But no, they'll they'll post about get ready for our new TV show. It's like okay, I'm just gonna Somebody. say it. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. Yeah. The Fallout TV show. We don't need it. Last of Us TV show. I thought they already did that. It's called The Last of Us. It came out on PS4. <laughs> remastered uh, even talk about like amazon making uh like you know like a tv show like that or square literally becoming shinra like ff7 mm -hmm. wears it's like anti-capitalist uh sentiments on its sleeve and then square becomes like the preeminent <laughs> check out our new nfts oh my oh, god. god what a clown <laughs> cringe oh my fucking god that um. ceo man i'm gonna stuff his ass in the locker <laughs> I'll bully that fool. <laughs> I, I will say that with horror, my only, the only kind of horror that I don't really gravitate anymore, just because there was such an oversaturation of it, 
is I feel the, like I'm about like, to agree with you so hard. I, <laughs> is I the is, is the what if we're the monsters that kind sure. of like comes from The Walking Dead and The Last of Us and I I just feel like most of the time it's not done particularly well like it's such a like like <laughs> yeah like inhale uh what if we're the bad guys like mm-hmm. i don't babby's first rumination on humanity right right like there's never that I... big realization at the end like <gasps> i am that's... the monster like that's not <laughs> so my my struggle with um the last of us in particular okay um, let's go is that it's just it's just a fucking drag like honestly mm-hmm. there is nothing <laughs> Like, especially the the very first one, like, you're giving me these messages that are very, like, you're putting me down, there's not any hope. It's very bleak and very punishing, and then you have gameplay that, like, is pretty repetitive and, like, not particularly great in the first one. And then the second one is, like, I saw a bunch of interviews that were essentially, you know, Neil Druckmann being, like... Uh, <laughs> aren't you ashamed of these depraved acts that we're making you do but not giving you the choice to like not right? commit these acts of violence like i don't want to hurt a dog and like i didn't if i could have avoided uh taking an axe to this person's head i i would have done it yeah, but, you, like, you're gonna tut me for the only choice you left me with you didactic misanthrope Right, right. And then it's Same like time it's literally the end of the world and you're like, what do you expect? Do you expect these things to not be happening? The world <laughs> has turned upside down. You're going to make people feel bad for surviving? Yeah. Right. The other my biggest issue is like, well, one, I got so many issues, especially with Last of Us Part 2. Um the, it it props up like minorities but the, the minorities in that game, like, like I think that the game want, wants you to interpret it as a story about found family, the cycle of vengeance, all these things. But it really, it's like, like I said, Babby's first rumination on humanity. Right. Babby's first like visiting upon themes of like the cycle of vengeance and how it does um, no one any good. Uh, but also the only image of like social or, or societal stability that it presents is rooted in this idea of like the nuclear family. So mm-hmm. uh, like the, I, the whole like concept of like, Oh, like, well, like, you know, you've got these, these, the main characters are queer. Like we finally made it diversity win, except not really because they, they're still, <laughs> they're still holding up this idea of the nuclear family, like the, the heteronormative, like nuclear family mm-hmm. as like the nexus of stability in society. And right. the, before everything goes all pear shaped, uh, like <laughs> when it's when that when that um, kind of like structure is is infiltrated by an, an external source, which is also xenophobic, which Neil Druckmann is deeply xenophobic. Um, like there's there are so many undercurrents of like Israeli nationalism in that game as well. Not to get too political, but like he's a bigot. Um, and the fact that he has all of these characters that he wants you to care about, but at the end of the day, they're just sock puppets for this misanthrope to, you know, throw around blithely. Right. But he expects you to care and wants you to feel bad because he has something to teach you about humanity. Except <laughs> he's wrong about people. We're not right. really as thoroughly hateful and violent as I guess he is. And as... as so- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I know you're good. I was just going to say it. So Jalen in the chat right now uh, sums up the point that I think we're trying, we were trying to get to. 
yeah. in a much more succinct for it. Like, so Jalen says, uh, they're super cynical games and hinge on the premise that everyone, including you, are selfish and wouldn't help others around you given the chance. Like, exactly. Like, that's a, like perfect, perfect summary, honestly. Like, thank you. Thank you for, Absolutely. <laughs> for putting, well, putting the you words for out there. coming to the conclusion about me <laughs> in your game, a person I've never met in my life, but you yeah. somehow have figured it out in your game. Great. Neil Druckmann really, is the Joker. He's cringe. That's really interesting, though. Like, I had no idea that there were there, that political undertone was in it. Zenny, I'll have to, like, look into that afterwards. Cause for sure, for sure. It's The Last of Us is, is a series that, like... Yes, it, it has some merits, but like, I don't know. It's such a slog for me to get through personally that like, I don't know if I'll ever play the second one. Um, oh, yeah. Well, if you thought the first one was a slog, uh, maybe steer clear. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. As, as with so many pieces of media that purports to be um, to, to have queer representation, it just falls flat for me. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like it was very much just stuck in there. Mm -hmm. Um. For the so sake just, of being there, right? Just, Which, just friendly reminder: you're allowed to to like stuff, but we can also be critical and like really do deep dives on on the problematic nature of stuff. Both both can coexist. Critique, oh is yeah, not and I mean like yeah, and if you like the game, I go for it. Play it, please. If it means something to you, then that's important. Um, right. It's just these are the reasons why I personally wouldn't have not been able to get into it and play it because like I the just, heartfelt stuff is really good like yeah i like the draft scene that's very sweet but yeah. like <laughs> was it was it worth getting to that point uh, uh, come back to me in like a, a couple weeks and <laughs> let me think about that yeah. um that's so that's why like i tend to gravitate so much more towards the camp of horror and the the ridiculousness of it um resident evil 4 was like my first foray into into the the horror genre and and into Resident Evil outside of the movies. Um, my buddy Jerry, like, we were in high school and he was just like, "Hey, this is my favorite game. Like, you should play it." And just in the cafeteria, you know, handed me his copy of Resident Evil Four. Um, Damn. And if and if you've if you've never played that game, like. It just throws you in like the mechanics are super clunky because it's like not quite <laughs> not quite third person like there's still that element of tank controls to it and it doesn't tell you like how to shoot or anything until you're maybe 20 minutes in <laughs> like you have to figure it out and so like, like man that makes me miss the, when games used to trust uh players the, <laughs> the first time i i tried to play it like you know i i got into it and i was like i don't know like I don't know if this is going to be the game for me. And he was like, I just stick it out for like 45 minutes. And sure enough, like, you know, that, that game kickstarted so much for me. And that game is ridiculous. Like, Oh, it's the... so, oh my God. <laughs> but it's great. It's it like, is. It's, it's, it's wonderful. That was my first resident evil game. And just as a bit of background, I grew up um, very opposite uh, to Zenny in that I had very many boundaries around what I could consume <laughs> and watch growing up in a very strict um, uh, Pentecostal Christian household. I mean, like, um, they took my Fantasia VHS and taped over it with Pocahontas because Mickey was a sorcerer. 
uh, like that, <laughs> level, that level. We didn't celebrate Halloween. Um, so he did, like, just whitewashing of colonialism <laughs> better than a, a yes. mouse wizard. Yes. I yeah. like that it wasn't even Chernabog, like the, the fucking demon that was the thing that was like the no, no go no. for that. It, it's the mouse that can make brooms dance. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly the work of Satan. Mm-hmm. The oh threats of a clean floor. Um, so, <laughs> so a little bit of background there. This, so this was the first game that I remember um, one of my friends getting went over to their house and uh, uh, it was, you know, those days where like you would call and your friend was like, hey, I got this new game. And you're like, I'll be right there. Run on over and I get to play it over there because, mm. you know, their parents had reasonable boundaries. Um, right. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I remember them being like, hey, you know, you I, you want to finish it. And they were just like, here, just take it home. And I was like, OK. Um, and, you know, I don't know what possessed my child mind to be like, yeah, let's play this in the living room. Uh, but I did. And um, I specifically remember a part where there is a person standing with, I think, a ram head. Um, and my mother walked in. And she said, it's just a fancy turn hat. That, you turn <laughs> that off and get Satan out of my house right now. Um, and I just remember thinking, this is the coolest fucking shit I have ever played. And, um, yeah, maybe that's why I gravitate towards any games that deal with, like, cult. Oh, um, yeah. And, like, religious horror. Uh, high religious trauma, baby. I love, oh, yeah. love it. I love it. And Same. so that game was like, yes, that game was the game where I was like, I'm going to. I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm gonna finish this game <laughs> and then I'm gonna grow up and then I'm gonna play even scarier games. I, um, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to attribute so much of my love of horror in gaming to Capcom specifically, like, because they have so much skin in the game. Like, Resident Evil, Haunting iconic. Grounds. Like, yeah, the, the first uh, <laughs> Dead Rising. Um, I had a friend who invited me over because he had just gotten Dead Rising and because I think it was a launch title for the 360. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he let me spend the night. One of the things that they didn't consider (laughs) uh, because the 360 was like the first HD console, right? Um, Is that many folks wouldn't have HD TVs. Mm -hmm. And so if you were running composite with the 360 and Dead Rising, like the text was almost illegible because it was small and blurry. And so I remember like playing very little of dead rising and, and, you know, just kind of watching my friend go until he died. Um, But like that, that's also such a formative experience for me is just like watching this dude (laughs) run around a mall and like put on silly hats and far less horror, more sandbox, but still playing in the aesthetic trappings of horror, but inviting him to just kind of have a ball. Which is really cool. And then you've got, you know, even more outlandish, like Devil May Cry, which is its own thing. Like That's my shit right there. Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Guilty Gear. These are all games that dabble in the aesthetic trappings of horror while inviting you to be the empowered one. Yeah. Which, is, which like, like, I guess I already said the word, but there's something so empowering about embodying this figure that these, 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 these uh, monsters that... And so many other works of of horror fiction are the kind of 
the the untouchable threat, like the the unbeatable threat, suddenly are no match for you. Right. I think is right. is that subversion of of theme while retaining the aesthetic trappings, like embodying the thing that is actually the horror's horror is something that's really um, compelling to me from a, just a power fantasy standpoint and an empowerment standpoint. Not to mention, um, those games are gay. <laughs> like, yeah. Bayonetta is like the gayest. You literally like you kill angels. Me? You vogue angels to death. <laughs> it's it's Which, so cool. My bodysuit is my hair. Yeah, <laughs> you that's, literally that's slay the, in every sense of the word. <laughs> that's actually like the perfect transition because I am, you know, given the context of the show, I am very curious. Um, how does horror in gaming, or just in general, you know, how does that relate to your queer experience? Okay, so, uh, uh, like. The, the the less deep read on like my attachment to horror in relation to my queerness would be uh, character design and mm. uh, like just the games that we just were talking about Guilty Gear, Bayonetta, Devil May Cry. These are all games that feature um, really um, like, uh, character designs that are so clearly informed by kink culture. Um, there's so much um, androgyny um, and blurring of gender lines that isn't criticized or presented as a joke. Um, they're just openly what they are. Uh, Daisuke Ishibatari is the person who created Guilty Gear, and he's gone on record as saying that Bridget, a character who's just been introduced back into Strive, who's been a character in Guilty Gear for years, was literally always trans. Um, it is something that um, he wasn't in a position to be openly communicative about at the time, mm-hmm. um, but had always plan like intended for that character to be it, it's 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 like this um young at what at the time was referred to as a boy wearing a dress but had always been intended to be a trans uh, a young trans woman and is now able to actually openly be a trans woman and that's just one of many characters including testament who now goes by they them um who have always been outwardly queer presenting in their design um mm. devil may cry like no one's wearing a t-shirt in that game. There's so much leather. Um, there's so much like action, like, like fight scenes and sex scenes have so much in common. Dance scenes, all of these things can express the same, the same shit about um, the relationship between uh, the two characters on screen. And I think that uh, things like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, the way that uh, Jean and, and, and Bayonetta clash in the first game is so representative of um, like Bayonetta's journey of self-discovery and Jean's role in that and her investment in the outcome of that journey. Um, the way that like there's these pulled punches but they're also matching every blow because they're linked in ways that Bayonetta doesn't understand and Jean does. Um, I, could, I could talk about Bayonetta specifically um, <laughs> all day but I'm going I'm to move ahead to also like deeper themes that draw me as a queer person to horror are the ways in which horror enables the storyteller to explore themes of identity, the body, the soul, um, the kind of like links in between those things, and like also obviously like re- like oppression, repression. Right. Um, I, I think of like Alessa, 
the kind of like a key figure in the the lore of Silent Hill is this this young girl who like her identity and who she is and her struggle to just like eke out a peaceful life is something that I think anybody struggling with their identity um, could relate to, especially since like the the suffering that was imposed upon her came about as a direct result of religious mania. Um, I love any, like, and also looping back into what, like, you were describing, like, your link to horror and your entree into, like, horror being, like, the religion and the occult. Um, I love horror that represents religious mania as the symptom of mental illness that it is. Um, Also themes of mental illness. It's all, it's all tied together. And, like, that's kind of, I guess, my answer to that. It's a freedom of self against uh, oppressive forces without the fatalism. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of draw yeah. as a queer person to saying, no, fuck you. I am going to survive this and yeah. getting the happy ending. Not every horror game has that obviously. And mm-hmm. like there, there are places for, you know, characters to fail, but like largely I think that is the, the draw for me. Absolutely. I just saw that Jalen said brisket for Bidget and that I, <laughs> I, I, that just made me smile inside. Bayonetta and Jana are gay aunties. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I mean, if you watch, just watch the way that Bayonetta two begins and tell me that they aren't a couple. It's it's Sailor Moon all over again with those two characters that are just <laughs> really good friends. Sure, sure. <laughs> How about you, Lyrica? Um, I think mine stems back for the idea that we ha- can, you know, trace queerness and horror back all the way to the very roots of horror. And for anybody that says that it hasn't been around, I'm telling you, it has. It has. It has. Nosferatu came out in 1922. That director was an openly gay man. Um, and you can see the way that queerness is allowed to, like we've mentioned before, so free and so open within this genre of horror um, from from body expression even down to you can see signs like um, again another old movie Frankenstein in the original Frankenstein um, and in Bride of Frankenstein you're talking about um, like for instance the Bride of Frankenstein she was created her very creation was in this effort to please Frankenstein in this very like challenging these very heteronormal normative ways of existing and being able to express some of those fears, especially back then um, about being queer uh, in a storytelling way through these horror things. And like a lot of people don't dig deeper and see the deeper meanings of that, but they're, they're questioning these things in society that, you know, and, and queer related fears um, in these films. uh, And then later on that breaks into gaming as well. And I think it's just amazing because it's a, it's a genre that allows queerness to be anything that it wants within that scope, whether that be the hero, whether that be the anti-hero, you know, all of those things, you can just exist um, without that that note of being questioned. And um, I think that's wonderful. Um, when you reject... It's paved a lot of ways. Absolutely. I think it, it's it's the kind of the strength of horror is that it rejects notions of mass appeal which put which creates distance between um the people that are drawn to it and normies and when you have space from normies you've secured a refuge for outsiders like us and i think that that's one of the things that i love about horror is that like mm-hmm. there most people just will never 
get into it. And so horror can does does can um, keep out. I should expand uh, what I kind of this statement, not just a horror, but outsider art in general has a way of just kind of like being almost defiantly niche, which makes it a refuge for mm-hmm. society's outcasts, I think. Yeah, I'm a monster fucker. What of it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the first awesome. vampire stories is extremely gay. Carmilla, right? Yeah, oh yeah, you said Carmilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or the old dark house, which was I think like a 1930s film. That is the film that directly inspired Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I okay. mean, it's amazing. Um, there was another one I don't remember. There was a scene where this man, like, it is, it is almost a literal depiction of being closeted within a, uh, um, like a, a, a hetero, heteronormative like kind of household where he literally gets locked inside of a closet, literally, and busts out of the closet and burns the fucking house down. I'm <laughs> like, that's so it's good. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. And just in a fit of metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the whole idea with like Frankenstein and the bride, just comp het, just compulsory heterosexuality, but make it spooky. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Exactly Do like you- Carrie. That was my first thought. <laughs> it's it's so good. The uh The Haunting of Hill House um mm. is, is mm-hmm. a really good TV show that is based on a book um that also has some very significant queer undertones between like two of the women in that house um so it's very good you can't you can't dive into the horror genre without experiencing some kind of uh queer response like it, it's been there from the beginning yep and if you can't find it you're not looking hard enough oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh what who's the person who made hellraiser clive barker uh yep Open, openly gay man mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> inspired by leather daddy and punk culture like you can't be upset <laughs> that yeah. the new pinhead is played by a trans woman. Like, get over Bad yourself. On. You're not <laughs> welcome here. You, you've misunderstood where you found yourself. <laughs> Leave immediately. Um, like the craft, Nancy. Hello. I need to. I need to subject that movie to my partner. Uh, they they won't view it as a subjection. I'm sure they'll love it. <laughs> Let the right one in. Like I can keep going. Um, Damn, yeah. The the original, right? Have you seen the original? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's that was so my good. first. Yeah. They've redone it, I think. One they're gonna they're redoing it again. I think they're making a TV series. I just love the original so much. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love that movie. Um again, I, I just in general, I would love to see less remakes. <laughs> More original <laughs> content, please. Uh, which is why I'm definitely more interested in Silent Hill F um, as opposed to the Silent Hill 2 remake, which I, I've, I've, my views have softened on, um, but I'm definitely just like, I would love to see something new being done. The, the originals really stand on their own. I don't really know what there is to improve on beyond like satisfying people's need to see uh, expensive graphics, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It I looks mean, it, it looks nice. If we're if we're talking about horror being uh ingenuitive, like on a mechanical aspect, like mm. for sure, like Resident Evil 4, not to like keep going back to it, 
but Please. you know popularized that over the shoulder third person perspective that yeah. would become the norm in all third person shooters like you can't play uh gears of war you can't play mass effect you can't play dead space without resident evil 4 and dead space you know set a new bar on immersive uis like just that glowing little symbol of health on isaac's back was such a game changer for for that conversation of well what is an immersive video game like do we want to have obtrusive features like a ui or <clears throat> does does that contribute to the game and the narrative itself like oh god yeah uis are are something that like i think the the most boring opinion on uis it, it like or prevailing philosophy on uis that has kind of taken over is the idea that uis um are across the board intrusive and a lot of games particularly ones that you know purport to be atmosphere first will try to have as minimal ui as possible i'm of the mind that as long as the ui is aesthetically of a piece with the other visual aspects of the game um there is nothing immersion destroying about a ui because uis are endemic to the medium of video games and if you can't be immersed while playing a video game if there's a ui in the way then maybe watch a movie i guess like <laughs> i i say that as somebody who loves silent hill and that game has pretty much no ui um outside right. of the pause screen like i just tried fatal frame uh, i just started fatal frame a little bit ago and that game has is is a video game ass video game there's points <laughs> there's like you, you take a picture at the right time and the, the video game gets all video game on you and goes like shutter chance. And like it, it's so UI heavy. And yet I am still so fully immersed in the tone and the atmosphere of that game. The UI becomes part of it because I've sat down to play a video game. It's okay. And I think there's that, a point like, system involved with your pictures. Like literally. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. And it's still so atmospheric and scary. Mm -hmm. Video games do not have to replicate movies to be respected as an art form. I like when game, I, I, I there's this, uh, there's this uh, quote from a uh, YouTube video that I love um, where the, uh, the person, uh, the YouTuber says something to the effect of like, um, film validating video games as an art form because the industry is too cowardly to wave a flag of its own. And, um, <laughs> That's so true when I think about how, like, fair-weather video game players, people who maybe have a, either a minimal or little to no history with video games, video games are mainstream now, so everyone is taking interest, which is great. Except when, instead of going through the kind of gate and then delving deeper and deeper as time goes on, if you just kind of linger at the entrance, only playing... Um, the the examples of games that kind of like have the most like publicity and like are like the largest most like commercially like represented mm. uh, pieces of work. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to preface this. <laughs> I just I I do not vibe with uh, oh I've taken damage so the screen is turning red and everything is getting echoey. Like give yeah. me a health bar that looks like a sword and tells okay. me exactly yeah, how okay. many hits I can take. It's okay. <laughs> it's Look, okay I'm for just going to say games. it, and this may be, I may, you may never see me on the internet again. I don't know, but I'm just going to say it. Didn't we learn 
from games like Heavy Rain. Haven't we been <laughs> through enough? Oh my god, yeah. Um, it's okay for games to feel like games. They don't have to be movies for you to respect them. That's, you know that's what happens when we have games with no UIs? We have stuff like, oh, maybe I should stand up now. And <laughs> maybe, maybe I should, hey, maybe I, may, maybe I should brush my teeth. I'm sorry if there's heavy rain lovers out there. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I'm not no. would sorry. you like it's to set this plate down? Can you solve this controller's riddle? <laughs> I fucking hate David Cage, though. So, like, yeah, that guy's a hack. <laughs> that guy's an absolute windbag. And I, I said earlier that critique is not attack. I'm attacking you. David. <laughs> I, this, I, 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 I changed my mind. This is an attack. This is um, a full on assault on on uh, Monsieur Cage. <laughs> Call out post <laughs> at David Cage. <laughs> You're a fake artist. <laughs> oh, I, I do not fuck with 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 uh, the work of Cage, especially his <laughs> fucking like um, extremely like neoliberal like like t just ten eared take on like uh -huh. civil rights with uh, what is it called? Too human? No, that's like an Xbox three sixty launch title. Uh, D Detroit become Detroit yes, become that's the one. Become human. Bad it's name. not mm -mm. God. Mm -mm. Whack. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Real bad. It's just like, do you get it? Do you know who he's quoting? I'll spell yeah. it out for you. <laughs> Jeez. And it's not even it's not even asking a question like, do you understand the implications of this? It's like, do you think I'm smart? Like, am I doing a good job with your video game? So, yeah. No, David, it's okay. You can and it's also now. God, it's also toothless because it's like instead of actually like ruminating on the existence of like androids in, in the world, it's more like what if androids were that large are largely light skinned white people for like, like just, just to note we're a stand in for black and brown people. Like right. it, it, it's yeah. like, what if I pick a softer target to make my extremely softball take? They won't uh, notice. <laughs> <laughs> just no risk, just coward shit. Not into it. <laughs> God, any <laughs> I'm so grateful for that tangent. Um, <laughs> is there is there anything we we talked a little bit about um, you know the upcoming Silent Hill games? Is there anything else that y'all are particularly excited about in the near future with horror? Hmm. Either either titles or you know mechanics like um, I need Resident Evil Village is is supposed to get a VR update, I believe, pretty soon. Uh, I got to play 7. I, I really so, need to, like, <laughs> I need to actually play as an... I almost feel like I want to play the older Resident Evil games so that I can mm -hmm. better appreciate how the series has evolved over time. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I truly have played essentially none of them. I plan on starting with um, the first Resident Evil remake that came out for the GameCube. Uh, and then I'm going to probably try and procure a copy of the PS1, uh, PS1 Resident Evil 2, 3. Maybe skip some of the ones that people view as non-essential or bad. Um, although I'd kind of like to make up my own mind. About I don't know. That. I love 6. Like, everybody dunks on 6, but I love the co-op features in that one. And I love how over the top it is. Like, Why is it that people dunk on it? It's, it is the, the, the turn towards action. Um, 
when the demo came out, there was a lot of backlash about the mechanics of it specifically because the camera was kind of at a weird angle. Mm. Um, but I mean, Resident Evil 6, and, and, and people thought it was bloated because there are one, two, three, four campaigns um, that you can play as uh, with two characters each. So like, there's a, there's a lot of content within six, um, but it is mainly just that there are too many explosions and everyone is. You're missing yeah. again. Like, what what did you think you've been playing? If like that bothers you about Resident Evil, like hasn't that <laughs> been a feature of that series since its inception? Resident Evil 6 is the closest that we have gotten to a Dino Crisis remake because the bad guy turns into a fucking T-Rex. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! That owns. I I, kind of got to play that now. People were so, I felt like people were so determined to have a negative opinion on that game that they even groused about the logo. Like, the 6 looks like a giraffe, and I'm mad about that. It's like, you're just addicted to being pissed off, and it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love six. I love even the weird entries in Resident Evil. It is my comfort series for sure. Um, to that regard, I, you know the game Dead Aim. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had that one. That's an amazing OST. So like, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a musician, and uh, I, I have heard more OSTs than I have actually played games. And mm-hmm. the OST for Dead Aim is composed by a personal hero of mine, Nobuyoshi Sano. He um, primarily worked with a lot of his work can be found under Namco's umbrella. Like he did a lot of music for Tekken and other series. He's amazing. Um, and Resident Evil has an illustrious history of like safe room music, like yeah. really relaxing music that plays in the save rooms. And um, Dead Aims is actually my favorite. It's an it's an uncommon um, choice for the top save room. I think a lot of people would gravitate towards either RE one or four. Mm-hmm. Um, Dead Aims is so stark and simplistic, but it has such a an oppressive, gloomy atmosphere to it that at at once is is oppressive and gloomy, but also very relaxing. Mm-hmm. That, sorry, just random musical. Moment. No, it's all it's all good. I love it. Um, I was actually talking to somebody right before we started recording, um, and they mentioned that like, oh, they love horror games. They love watching let's plays of them Mm -hmm. um and it got me thinking like we owe so much of the popularity of horror now in gamings because of let's plays on youtube and because of streamers on twitch like there was a resurgence of video games that like started coming out because you know markiplier started getting on it and we had all these big names who were playing these like weird indie games and like bringing them to light and making more people want to play and want to watch them. I think let's plays. (laughs) What's up? Did y'all see, uh, there's like this, um, so RPG makers, uh, series of, of games that have given people the tools to create, um, indie games, uh, years and years before like indie game culture really started taking off. And, um, there actually were quite a bit of RPG maker horror games. Mm -hmm. One of the more popular, um, that that was heavily featured during the boom of let's players in the early 2010s was a game called ao oni which is a japanese okay, word for okay. blue goblin or something like that um blue ogre i think 
Um, and Out Oni is just like, it's like a pretty straightforward, simplistic game, but it was a game that illustrated the fact that you don't need realistic graphics to get the shit scared out of you. <laughs> because that when, when that motherfucker come on the screen, like, and he's just walking towards you with his big ass head and this like weird, like, <laughs> it's like music starts playing. Mm. Like people, people just be like, would lose their shit and shriek and like, <laughs> let's play, um, culture. I think it has had a profound impact on horror and ha has allowed it to, as video games have transformed and become a more, more mainstream, uh, medium, mm. uh, it's allowed horror games to continue to exist in the public eye. One, some might say negative effect that Let's Play Culture has had is that it has limited what type of horror games will get noticed because the, the horror games that tend to get noticed are the ones that facilitate the most shrieking. Mm. Um, so games that are more based in atmosphere and storytelling tend to not get featured as much as the games where something very bright and loud and sudden happens frequently, um, which has left me a little thirsty. Um, <laughs> it's been a bit of a horror game desert for me. Um, good horror games do still come out, and even some of the ones that are mostly uh, jump scare based can still be fun, and I enjoy watching the Let's Plays, but I don't play much of them, mostly because um, of a thing that I, if I recall correctly, you and I, Faye, have in common, which is uh, I don't scare easy, so right. games that are primarily based in jump scares are, are kind of like flat experiences for me. If there's, not, if there's no other meat on the bones than just jump scares... Um, and let's, the, the, the impact of Let's Plays is that every horror game after Amnesia has had to replicate the DNA of Amnesia in some way, shape, or form, uh, which has left out things like Fatal Frame and Silent Hill to an extent. Mm. And I would love to see that influence, a resurgence of that influence, which I hope to see in Silent Hill F, um, and would like to see maybe RE explore, explore its own history a little bit more because like re7 and 8 very clearly take influence from amnesia like every modern horror does um but they iterate on it and are novel in their own right like they definitely stand on their own but the the, the influence is so clear that i personally i know i'm a, I'm a deep outlier on this subject but like i kind of wasn't really excited to play um seven and eight initially i've since kind of come around and am excited to finally dive into resident evil like starting from the beginning and working my way up to the modern mm -hmm. entries but yeah let's play cultures had a profound impact you are you are definitely right about that i i also like <laughs> do i enjoy slender man from a gameplay or narrative perspective no let's talk about the eight uh, pages <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a classic uh, it's an internet not, classic not really but am i grateful for you know for that game bringing horror to the forefront of people's minds and like yeah. inspiring people to make their own games and like yeah yeah i think it's fucking awesome like go Hell for yeah. it but i got um, good memories playing that game watching my friends like jump just oh shit <laughs> <laughs> um because okay lyrica how do you convince somebody who is not a horror fan to get into a game Oh. You mean besides just being like, sit there for a minute, watch me scream. Um, and then when I die, you jump in. No. Um, yeah, I mean, either, either watching <laughs> or playing, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I do have quite a bit of people who are part of my community or who come in 
and it's they they enjoy the aspect of watching the horror game um but more so than they would enjoy playing it um i i have some members that will watch me play a horror game they will know full and well that they can't play they, they they won't be able to play the horror game but are the same people who will send me random indie horror games to play on stream because mm. they're interested in seeing it and i love doing that um i just think there's there's so much within the gamut of horror that if you can tell me a little bit about what you like and a little bit of what scares you within the realm of, you know, this would be too, not, not, wouldn't be too much that you couldn't handle. I feel like I could find something for you, right? Yeah. Like there's so, there's just so much, even getting into things that are, are like visual novel type based. I mean, there's such mm -hmm. a huge gamut of things, even up to like funny horror, right? Like you right. wouldn't say something like the Ghostbusters game really is like a horror scare you game, but you're dealing with ghosts. You're, you're mm. literally hunting ghosts and, and, and like you're, it's all connected to ancient demons. Um, mm, yeah. but you know, it's not going to necessarily scare you or like playing killer in DVD isn't necessarily going to scare you the way that playing survivor will. Right. Um, so I do feel like there's kind of, if it's something that you're interested in, there's kind of like a, it, there's something that'll fit you within that. We, we just, we just got to find it. <laughs> oh gosh yeah like by that same token things like definitely cry bayonetta also like dark stalkers or any fighting game or, or or outer like outside of the genre of horror any game that kind of is like deriving its aesthetics so clearly from horror mm. could be an entree into into that vibe that might like might give you that itch to kind of explore what about these visual trappings interest you um and like what other games can kind of bring bring that vibe like for i i think like yeah it really just depends on like what about horror has kept you out what are you frightened of encountering or like worried that like what are your limits i guess because there's definitely a, a piece of horror media that will kind of meet you where you are and never right. not push you too far and and that's the great thing about like real horror fans is that like they won't gatekeep how you consume that content. Like yeah. you want to watch somebody play through the quarry? Like, hell yeah, I'm all for it. Cause like, yeah. it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of safety in, in watching somebody else play and having that like communal experience. It's like sitting on the club on, on the couch with your best friend and like yeah. enjoying that company. And getting that to is, do that in a way that isn't causing harm to people allows people to stay within that. Like you can enjoy horror and be comfortable. You can also yeah. choose to enjoy horror and be uncomfortable if that's what you're choosing. Whatever it is, we can do that for you. You know, you can you can be alone in a room with all all you have is a, a freaking uh, lighter that keeps going out. <laughs> you know every two seconds and mm -hmm. i don't know you have a demon nun chasing you around uh <laughs> puppet combo um or you can be spinning the wheel to see which one of the killers you're going to be taking out tonight um on the, the dvd dating sim mm -hmm. it's all horror yeah. you know yes. it's <laughs> i need to get like a heart rate monitor and do a stream where it's like can can this game scare me i'd like Those to see so much fun <laughs> <laughs> I um, feel that Nun Massacre by Puppet Combo can scare anybody. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. Uh, Y'all have piqued my curiosity <laughs> with Puppet Combo's work. I, I legitimately 
I think Resident Evil Village is the this new uh, Rose DLC uh, is the first time that a game has like actively creeped me out because there is a pretty significant portion of the DLC that deals with uh, dolls and mannequins oh. in an extremely <laughs> well done way. Like I was I was shitting bricks. Like, <laughs> and is that, I don't is get that like that. a particular bugaboo for you? I I was definitely one of those kids that like Lyrica. We were talking about Chucky right before this. Um, I saw Chucky at too young of age through a, a blanket that was not <laughs> thick enough, um, and so you know I, I don't really do dolls or I'm so puppets sorry. or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but like, it was really cool getting to play a game that like got that ick factor for me, and it was so yeah. much fun. Um, it was so good. If if you are interested in horror in general, but like are very skittish when it comes to that thing, I would also say like speedruns are the way to go. Like if you've never watched a GDQ yeah. horror block, like I they'll explain those. the mechanics, the stories. You'll get like almost the full experience without having to play the game yourself, and it's fast. Like I I love speedruns and and short and sweet horror speedruns. It's community. so funny to watch like like. A horror speedrun, no, if you know the story, because it's like, oh, this character is like uh, pressing slowly through this like foreboding supernatural town where manifestations of their repressed uh, guilt are like menace them in the shadows. But I'm going to glitch through this wall real quick. <laughs> I'm going to glitch through this wall and like cut six hours of in-game content in a, in a single <laughs> instance. Um, but he's so sad, though. But watch me fly through the air. <laughs> this is I the incarnation. I'm gonna see you on the other side of the game. Okay. <laughs> this is this is the incarnation of your repressed fears, and we're just gonna take this hammer and just bonk it at the right spot, and it'll clip mm-hmm. through the wall. Like it's all right? good. Jump two times, you'll be on the other side of the nightmare. <laughs> oh man, yeah, speed runs are great. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. Oh, like it, it's such a silly ass aside, but just like I think that there is such an intersection of queerness and neurodivergence in speedrun culture and fighting game culture. Just like anything that is like fixative and rewards rewards fixation and rewards digging deep in a way that for a, a normal person would just be too much. I think like there's there are genres and cultures, subcultures within the larger culture of, of video games that like have been a, a haven for me as, as a, a neurodivergent person and as a queer person. Like there is such a massive queer contingent in the FGC. Um, mm-hmm. And like we tend to play the weirder ones. Like I think games like Guilty Gear, what people call air dashers or anime fighters um have been such a refuge like any sort of forum where people are talking about guilty gear like dust loop or whatever the majority of the people that i have befriended in in those spaces have all been like uh queer black and brown um and and like asian uh people um just to kind of like tie in that like connection between queerness near divergence and and games speed runs are are a part of that as well it's like the ultimate fidget spinner because there's just so much to figure out and like fixate on. And the more focus you pour into it, the more the experience actually opens up to you. For sure. I, I find the, the same thing with, um, 
with horror and, and wrestling fans, honestly. Yeah. Like, the two are so <laughs> inter- oh <my> intermingled. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. gayer than wrestling? Like, I'm like, like, <laughs> wrestling is amazing. <laughs> Uh, you know what's your what's your flavor of wrestling what's your flavor of gay it's the same and what's your flavor of horror (laughs) this venn diagram it's a circle oh yeah yeah (laughs) um do do either of y'all have any anything else that you want to you want to bring up on this conversation of video game horror or just horror in general and queerness i just I need more survival horror. Like I am, I am sitting here begging for Sons of the Forest to come out. Um, that is what scares me. Make me have to fight for my survival. Build, build something out in the middle of nowhere. Find food and also fight off scary ass zombies. Yes. Um, I also need more religious trauma horror, please. <laughs> Uh, both of those things, uh, and I can die happy. Um, I'm both terrified and excited for what VR horror is going to eventually become as it gains more capabilities to be able to, you know, be fully fledged out long games. Um, yeah, I'm excited and and terrified for all those things. Uh, horror is great. Uh, you should try it. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I guess for me, um, the thing that always pulls me in is when I feel like there is a deeply personal component to the game, either expressed through the mechanics or explicitly in the story. Um, there is an indie game creator who is no longer with us um, uh, from Japan uh, who went by the handle Padun, um, who made uh, two games that are are more influential um, in the indie horror space than most people know. Um, and they really should know. These, these things are special. Um, uh, he made a game called uh, Heisei Pistol Show um, and another game called Kinder, which uh, he eventually remade, and it's called Rekinder. Um, and it, these games visit upon some really heavy subject matter, and despite their visual, um, the, their, the, the art style being, they're RPG maker games, they're, they're like kind of pixel based, they look like Super Nintendo games. Mm. The, there are moments that w- will not sit well with you, like, it's definitely a game like, look into it, do your research, you know, stay safe. It visits some pretty heavy subject matter, but it also visits um, topics uh, that interest me, like the body, identity, um, repression, uh, gender, uh, queerness, uh, all of these things, mental illness, um, truly a uh, beautiful and, and singular work. Um, I, the thing that I would like to see more of are, I think we've, we've had enough horror games that can be effectively boiled down to hide from daddy. I think <laughs> there are a lot like, like amnesia, most, most indie horror games, um, at the end of the day, the core conceit on an, a, 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 a pure experience level is better hide, stop doing, don't do shit, better hide, and it's gripping. It, 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 is, it, is, it is such a, um, an efficient way of eliciting tension from the player, mm-hmm. but if that is all the game... I think we've reached almost like a, a, a boiling point or um, no, rather a point of, 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 of total saturation 
with games that offer only that. Um, and I would like to see some things that we have sort of um, abandoned by this point maybe be mm. revisited by um, cre- like creative, independent game designers. Um, things like fixed camera angles, tank controls. Tank controls are something that, that are very... Uh, can, it's very contentious because people view them as overly complicated. I would urge you to give them the chance um, because when up and down on your controller do not, when the controls are no longer camera relative, that liberates the camera and allows mm. for talking about video games and movies. When you liberate the camera from having the controls be linked to them, that allows you to have more expressive camera angles and, um, elicit tension through uh, more creative and artistic camera work. Um, expressive camera angles that uh, create atmosphere, not just tension, but atmosphere. Like these are, these are things that were so endemic to survival horror and its inception that at initially were born of, of limitations, but in retrospect have become features um, mm-hmm. that to me now feel kind of like underutilized, forgotten. And um, I would love to see a return of that, a visitation of that. Um, and a return to survival horror that's less focused in hiding and being um, frightened of being attacked and more about just atmosphere, brooding atmosphere, exploration, learning mm-hmm. about a space, and um, just the intimacy uh, the, that that experience kind of elicits. There, there are so many cool tiktoks that i will see from indie developers uh who are diving into horror and pushing the bounds on like what it means to make a horror game both in terms of like mechanics and stories i need to be better about like saving those that way i can actually like support these folks once their game comes out because like i'll look at it and be like oh this is like right up my alley and then i'll Mm -hmm. completely forget about it because i hop from one thing to the next um yeah also if you ever need a resource um to provide like comprehensive uh content warnings or trigger warnings doug does the dog die um fantastic website yeah that's what we use it expands the gamut from games movies tv shows pretty much everything you can think of um so it's 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 a lifesaver especially if you are streaming this stuff and you want to be cognizant of your viewers yeah um I I would like um, <laughs> I would like it if the developers of Little Nightmares could create a game uh, that like kept the same aesthetic, same mechanics, but like actually worked and didn't frustrate me to the point where I wanted to like smash my head against a wall because I keep like missing the same jump over and over again. If we could just like tighten up that, I'd be set. Um, Love it. <laughs> yeah, this has been so much fun. Uh, thank you both for. For being on the show and thank you to everybody thank who's you. participated in ghouls for charity this year like it's been oh yeah yeah less fat phobia and little nightmares and yeah and ableism in general like oh my god there's yeah. oh we didn't we'd even get into like using disfigurement as as a key basis for your villains but it's real gross i got beef with that, that. Yeah. yeah yeah y'all <laughs> you can be scary and not be an asshole at the same time yes yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, this was, this has been great. Um, I love horror and I love video games and I love all things queer. So y'all are, y'all are fantastic. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I had a great time.
do do y'all have anything to plug before we wrap up? I'm gonna try to start streaming uh, often again. Uh, I, I've been taking a bit of a break from streaming regularly, uh, just due to uh, the old Mentos health getting in the way. Um, but I, I, I had these like aspirations of of like churning through all of these like games that carry a lot of these themes that draw me to horror throughout October. That month has passed, and I've I've only started one. <laughs> um, so. Halloween ends when I fucking say so. I'm gonna continue playing those games. It's Hormus. So. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you live that horror lifestyle, it's it's three six five. <laughs> oh yeah. I will never stop watching scary movies or playing scary games. <laughs> Hell no. Except for maybe when an- the next Animal Crossing comes out, but you know, everything in moderation. For sure. Uh, cool. Lyrica, did you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm just, uh, hi, I'm just me. Um, <laughs> I'm over at, you know, slash look at Lyrica on Twitch and Twitter. And and I stream uh, three days a week. They're not the same three days because that would be, <laughs> imagine um, having a set schedule. No, I don't. So, yeah, I stream three days a week. I'll be streaming tomorrow. And for the rest of the days, you'll just have to follow my Twitter to find out because I don't even know. Um, I uh, so yeah that's what we're doing we'll be playing we'll be playing some mortuary's assistant tomorrow so if you want to see some 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 horror if you want to see me scream uh, that'll that'll be tomorrow are you playing that with controller or mouse and keyboard I am playing that one with I think when I first did I did it with mouse and keyboard Um, I didn't know that it had controller capability I will say mouse and keyboard is like much better because controller okay. is a little is a little obtuse and confusing. Um, but yeah, that game that game rules. I want to play more of it. I haven't played it since the new Halloween update, and I know that they added. Like I was checking out the whole roadmap to that game. Uh, there's so much coming, and I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that will do it for us here today uh, on Arcade Cuties. Um, as you know, we end every show with our signature catchphrase. So, uh, Zenny, what is that catchphrase? Uh, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I was so caught off guard by that, that I couldn't even improvise a fake one. Um, that's a, it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you both again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, cuties. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you liked this episode of Arcade Cuties, be sure to let us know by leaving a review on iTunes, sharing the show with a friend, and leaving a suggestion for future episodes. Make sure to follow us on our social media to stay up to date with our content. We appreciate all of the love and support. Until next time, bye, cuties. Bye, cuties.